comes Hurst, he's got some fiddler on the pitch, they think it's all over. It is Sports show on the planet. The season ticket on Dougie Stone Radio. In association with Inspired to Change Bristol. Helping to get your life back on track. That's how you start a sports show on a Saturday, isn't it? Good morning, everyone. How are we all doing out there? You are locked in to the season ticket here on Dougie Stone Radio. I'm LC and you just heard the sounds of ACDC, Riff Raff. And this morning... I'm joined by my very own Riff Raff. I love you really, guys. They're primed and ready to go. They've been on the highway to hell and they've got a whole lot of action to talk about to get your sporting weekend off to a flyer. It's the boys on the bench. How are you all doing? Very well. I tell you what, lads, if people weren't awake, they're awake now. They certainly what are. A, what a cracking start. Love that. Awesome. Yeah, we have Ash, Morgs, Dan, Shep will be joining us later as always. Kev is knocked up another superb quiz for the end of the show. And I'm joined as ever, the Angus Young, to my Bon Scott, ripping it up on the solos while I keep it cool, send it to the stage. It's Lado. I'm, I'm honoured. And you, you said you weren't quite so sure today was going to be the, your best introduction. And you got it. You smashed it out of the park. Nailed banging, it. Banging tunes. You, you are the linguist. Um, I, What can I say? I'm uh. speechless. Well, that's it. I mean, like, this was only meant to be a temporary deal and I am running out of ideas. So if we get to, like, <laughs> next week or the week after and the intros aren't as good, I apologise. Don't hate the player, hate the game. But Lado, lots going on this week. It's been another busy one in the world of sport. But we covered 14 sports last week. Incredible number. What have we got lined up this week? Well, for me, covering 14 sports, that's that's kind of what we're all about, isn't it? I think it's, this, this is where we're unique as a sports show. We don't just go for the obvious ones. We like to cover as much as we possibly can. So we've got some rugby, obviously get that in first. We've got some tennis. We've got a bit, a bit, of, a bit of winter sports. Um, we've got some fun. We've got some Formula One. We've definitely got some football. I think we're going to let Morgs loose on the football today. And we're going to see how much time he can take up. Um, Ash, I'm sure he's got a good coverage of the American sports, which is just oh, some great stuff going on over there. And, of course, we've got the quiz. And Kev is lined up. And... and, and for those, obviously, everyone else can't see, he's lined up a special backdrop. I think he spent most of his week preparing his backdrop of the University Challenge. I'm not quite sure we're off that standard, Kev, but... Um... It's a bit more universally challenged than anything. <laughs> <laughs> Kev, um, did you spend more time on the backdrop for our radio show or did you spend more time on the quiz this week? Probably 50-50. I might have to send the backdrop to our social media manager so he can put it on there because otherwise I am wasting my time, really. Oh. It, it, it has to come with a health warning, surely. Definitely. Yeah. Don't look too close, that's all I'd say. <laughs> I mean, I look like I'm going through my mission in the cult phase in it, I must say. But then it has been pointed out that you've you've made me a lady. So um, I'm not sure how to, to take that. And I'll, and I'll bang it on the socials. <laughs> all right. I'm quite Dan, sure. Dan is already on it. He's already banging it. Good man. He <laughs> is already on it. And Dan, I'll come back to you a little bit later. Uh, but lads, have we got any tweets of the week? from the socials over the last seven days. Ash? Yeah, I've got a quick one. Obviously, um, Everton beat Liverpool um, last weekend. And this is from Statman Dave, who I think is often on BBC Radio 5 Live. And he tweeted, Everton have beaten Liverpool at Anfield for the first time since 1999. That's when the Nokia 3210 was the world's best-selling mobile phone. <laughs> uh, what, that was brilliant. What, it took me oh, back to my school years. 
So who had one of those? Because some of you are too young. Well, I had one of those. I, yeah. I did. Yeah, first oh, phone, okay, I believe. Okay. Yeah, lovely, uh, lovely bit of phone. Used to love the uh, ringtones and uh, a bit of snake on there, of course. In uh, Dan, I had one. I saw from a uh, Ethiopian news anchor, um, and it was following a, a, a Guatemalan footballer, um, and he was playing playing a playing a game, and some some missile got chucked onto the pitch, and he runs over, picks it up and smashes it against his head and then falls over, feigning injury. It's utterly bizarre, but I'll, I'll, it's on a tweet, and I'll, I'll tweet it after the show so people can see, but it's just the bizarrest thing I've ever seen. It's amazing. Why, why did he bother hitting his head with it? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it is brilliant. It's brilliant. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> I got a tweet of the week as well. Yeah, go for it, Kev. This, this one's really tickled me, this one. This one uh, is from something called Sports Centre, and it's uh, the quote is it says, collegiate quidditch is a full contact sport and there's a video with it which i can only describe as one of the most tragic things i've ever seen is full-grown adults with broomsticks between their legs running around slamming into each other and throwing a ball through a hoop i just don't get it it's quite bizarre isn't it i i did see that when you uh, posted that into our group chat um earlier this week uh yeah what what do we what do we all make of it a bit of potter I don't understand Harry Potter at all, really. I'm with Dan on that. I'm with Dan. Don't get it. No, I like I like it with Harry Potter, but the yeah, kids, them, I, I like it. I love the books, love the films. Um, it's interesting. What I thought was funny about it, Kev, I agree with you with the idea that they're sort of carrying the, the sticks between their legs as horses, but Quidditch is actually a sport where they're trying to get into schools. I, I did a, a Quidditch in schools course, online course, just before Christmas, um, but they didn't have the carrying near the, the, the horse between the legs bit. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's quite good in sport. That it's a game where it's got lots of catching, passing, throwing, and kids haven't failed at it before, which is quite a nice thing to get them running around and get active. But um, I, I assumed it was a way of letting the kids know the sort of people they should be looking out for. Morgs, you've got a tweet for us. Yeah, I'm going to move us on from this Quidditch nonsense. Uh, I've got one. Uh, Neil Lennon. Morgs, Morgs, I can't believe that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, we're moving on, Lennon. We're moving I, on. I, I'd have thought you were a man of inclusivity, and there you go. You, you shot it down straight away. So in the week that Neil Lennon resigned from Celtic, I've got a lovely tweet here that says, we regret to announce that Neil Lennon has parted ways with Celtic Football Club. We thank him for his efforts this season. And that's typed by Rangers Football Club, which I thought was perfect. Shadows away for Saturday morning. Uh, Dan, moving on uh, to our social media manager, where we're going to get all the numbers. But before we get into that, um, got some more numbers for you. Did you manage to get into the uh, rest of Purple Rain, the extra five inches? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I couldn't leave it on that seven-inch e- edit, could I? It's just, uh, you know, had to, uh, had to go the full length. Absolutely. And, you know, nothing quite full length like the uh, guitar solo right at the end there, uh, which we shockingly missed on last week's show. Sad scenes. Sad scenes. Uh, What's the uh, numbers on the socials this week, Dan? Um, All I can say is that they've all increased. uh, You know, I I don't actually have um, exact numbers this week, but um, yeah, they've all increased with the the, uh, increased activity that's going on and the uh, tweeting after the show. It's it's, it's getting a bit of a, you know... uh, interaction going which is good lots of increases lots of extensions there and uh you can also listen to our recent shows as they are now available on demand via the dougie stone radio website uh we're going to be putting them on in podcast format i think pretty soon as well i believe yes yes we are yeah i've edited uh some down so uh yeah i'll be looking to get them out as podcasts excellent stuff good stuff busy boy dan i like that 
be, being a social media manager, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a busy old job, you know. Uh, love it. It's de- definitely best to keep Dan busy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't leave it to my own device. <laughs> we know what happens. Um, <laughs> food question this week, mate. Um, there's been a lot of talk of uh, lockdown dates and us like coming out of uh, this, uh, you know, this period that we've all endured over the uh, last year yeah. or so. Uh, what is the food question? Yeah, so as you say, looking forward to coming out of lockdown soon. So I want you to cast your minds back to about this time last year, or maybe in the summer, uh, really. Um, and that is, what was the last meal you had out at a restaurant or cafe? Got any early thoughts on that, boys? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, good. Long, yeah. Back, Long way to think back. So, so you're talking the first lockdown, then, Dan? Not, not the recent one. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, got that one. I think I got a few in mind for that myself. But uh, is that everything from you there, Dan? Like we got our numbers there. Well, I could the, let um... them know um, where oh, to go. Yeah, if of they course. Follow us on the old socials, you know. Of course. Get where them. can they follow us? So if they uh, go to uh, Instagram or Twitter, they can follow us on at Season Ticket DSR. That's Delta Sierra Romeo at the end. Uh, if they go to Facebook, they can go to the Season Ticket Group, or they can go to dougiestoneradio.com and click on Brimo. Good to see Brimo still representing he the is. season ticket. Much, much missed. And I'm sure he'll be back real soon and uh, taking over this uh, this hot seat and stopping me from giving out elaborate intros. So uh, that is all sorted. So we have got a new opener on the show tonight and he is just getting ready to get the show going. But first, we had some shocking news in the world of music, boys. Daft Punk have called it quits after 28 years. A major band with a major dance influence. And uh, I'm going to take you to their classic Discovery record. Here is Aerodynamic. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet. The Season Ticket on Dougie Stone Radio. Daft Punk, Aerodynamic. Off the back of the shocking news. 28 years in the game. It's all over. Any uh, Daft Punk fans in the, on the bench? Definitely. Definitely. Uh, yeah. It's a bit of a shock, isn't it? I would have loved to yeah. have seen one day. Absolutely gutted. Yeah. Anyone else? Not too fast. Well, it just I, I, I have, but the, the biggest shock to me is it's been 28 years they've been around. That's, that just makes me feel really old. Yeah, it's mad. Yeah. Yeah. Same, Kev, same. First album in 95, apparently. So, yeah, long old time. Was it Homework, the first album? That's the one. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, around yeah, I got, got the CD. Oh, yeah, Around the World was on that one. Cracking tune. But we're moving on. Ash is just about primed and ready to go. It's going to take us into the world of sports stateside. But first, let's have a word from our sponsors. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet. The Season Ticket on Dougie Stone Radio in association with Inspired to Change Bristol. Helping to get your life back on track. Ash, how you doing, mate? You all good? Yeah, all good, mate. How are you? Yeah, top stuff. I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, good week. Uh, just come back uh, into school after the half-term break. Yeah, it's the calm before the storm, I think. The other guys on the bench will, will agree with that. So we're... Uh... Absolutely. We're in the quiet period, yeah. Yeah. Um, I must admit, um, I split my sporting loyalties uh, on Saturday evening and I watched the first half uh, of the NHL Outdoors, which you mentioned on last week's show. Uh, spectacular scenes, mate. I'm sure you're going to mention it um, in your roundup shortly, but I just want to say thanks for uh, turning us on to that because that was brilliant. It was really, really good. Yeah, it was brilliant. I'll, I'll start with the, with, the, with the hockey, actually. It's a, it's a good place to start. Unbelievable, wasn't it? Lake Tahoe, spectacular, and the NHL did it did it brilliantly. They they really pushed it. They put out some great publicity um, stuff. I'll, I'll share some stuff with Dan so it can go out on the social medias. But 
the the views were stunning and the weather was absolutely glorious for it. The the first game on on Saturday started in glorious sunshine and ended in the in the pitch black of night and actually the contrast between between both both types of weather was absolutely fantastic. They had some issues with the temperature which meant they had to delay they had, they had to pause the, the first game. Um the the temperature uh, at the rink side was um was too high and it was causing problems with the ice um melting I think in, in certain places. But yeah, no, it was absolutely fantastic. The Golden uh, Knights lost 3-2 to Colorado in that first game. Um, be- because of the issues with the temperature, they bumped back Sunday's night game to a, to a later start. Um, and on Sunday night, Boston beat um, Philadelphia 7-3. So it was a bit more of a blowout, but universally received fantastically. And I think a lot of casual fans have, have jumped on board because of the the, the views and the experience and, and from what I've read this week the national the NHL are, are actually looking at putting on something like this again potentially not having it necessarily in a stadium with 50,000 people but going somewhere else which is going to look visually stunning so yeah no it was great it was good fun wasn't it it was uh it was a good watch the work involved in getting that set up was was ridiculous it was a mammoth task but they, they they just know how to do things big we said this last week didn't we they just but the, the the video that I think you 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 posted, didn't you? It's just how much work to get everything set up for that. It's incredible. And even just build, building the rink. And I think there was a video NHL put out of all the different layers from, from bottom to the top, almost from sort of MDF boards at the bottom to sort of three or four layers with the ice laid on top of it. It was a mammoth task, but amid everything that's going on in the world, I think they probably, they've had an absolute winner with that. And they've, they've, they've probably garnered some new support there. Um, I'm going to touch touch briefly on the NFL because we're in the the period now of transaction. Sort of, we've hit free agency. Um, salary cap looks like it's been settled upon for the year. And for for those who who, who don't follow it, um, NFL as as much as, as some of us do, um, the cap this year has been set at about. It looks like it's going to be about 181 million dollars. Um, to put that into context, the the the, the salary cap last season that, that we've just had was set at 198 million. So we've we've got about a sort of 17, 18 million dollar drop, and the reason for that is because, quite frankly, the lack of uh, fans in attendance in the stadium. The, the salary cap is set based on on revenue driven by the by the clubs and the league. And this is a really stark fact. The year before, there were 17 million fans in attendance. At all the games and the season that's just finished, we had 1.2 million in. So the drop in attendance has affected the salary cap. Now you might think that's not a big, big effect, but the knock-on effect is that is, is absolutely huge because some teams are in a real pickle in terms of the salary cap this year. Now the bottom two teams in terms of their position on the salary cap are the Eagles and the Saints. The Eagles are currently projected to be $46 million over the salary cap. And the Saints have predicted, this is unbelievable, $70 million over the salary cap. The Saints were all in um, the last sort of two or three years. They've, they've been all in. $70 million, they've got a clear. Um, you can carry over cap space from the previous year, so they have got a little bit of wiggle room in there. They might be able to cook the books a little bit this year and, and have one more little tilt at it, but they're going to really struggle in sort of 2022 um, as they move forward. I think Dan's got something you wanted to yeah. jump in on. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I've been reading quite a bit about, obviously, my beloved Steelers this week, and I'm actually quite concerned next year. And I'm not sure if Roethlisberger is going to be back. I mean, even if he doesn't come back, he he's still carrying over a 19 million, 19 million cap for, for the Steelers anyway. But, I, I mean, obviously, Pounce is gone. 
Juju Smith-Schuster might be going. Roethlisberger, I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite worried about the Steelers. I think I, I think we're in for a long season next season. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a few franchises who who have kind of all gone all in and are going to get bitten a little bit now off the back of COVID. The, the flip side of that is I've just got some stats on the top five teams with, with cap space. The Bengals have got 45 million. The Colts have got 45 million space. Interestingly, the Patriots have got $64 million of cap space. Um, they're, they're a franchise to look out for, all right, because they let Brady go. I think part of that was they didn't want to eat up into the future cap space. Um, the Jets, uh, my Jets, have got 73 million and the Jags have got 79 million of cap space. So there's going to be some movement. Um, moving forwards in terms of the cap space itself, um, there's going to have to be some wiggle room from from franchises because the, the cap million, the cap space is 20 million over what it should be. It should be set at 160 based on revenue, but the, the league have agreed to set it at 180. But what that means is they've also agreed with all the franchises that they're going to have to get that 20 million back off of their roster over the next two seasons. Does this mean then players are going to be cut earlier um, because one they're too expensive, or they need to cut anything on the edges to try to trim trim the edges? Or yeah, there's there's some big names out on free agency at the moment, um, but you're going to have teams cut. And the problem is though, if you if you let somebody go or trade them too early, they they end up as dead space on your cap. The Eagles have got about forty million dollars in cap space, dead cap space. The Jets have got I think sixteen or seventeen million in dead cap space. But Lev Bell's still picking up about four million from the Jets um, and he's at the Chiefs now um, so it's a massive massive knock-on effect and particularly when you look at free agency and I picked out five names that kind of stick out for me um, Dak Dak is still you know he shouldn't be because of his injury but he is technically a free agent so Dak's out there Dak Prescott of, of Dallas um, Chris Godwin wide receiver of Tampa I mean he's only 25 he's, he's going to go for or be looking for big money Alan Robinson from Chicago we spoke about J.J. Watt last week. He, he will command big money. And even somebody like Von Miller, um, linebacker, he's going he's gonna to still at 31. I think he's still got some, some big money contract in there. It's going to be a really interesting eight weeks or so before the draft to see yeah. where teams position themselves in terms of what they're going to take in free agency and then assess what they're going to take through the draft. So we'll have quite a lot to talk about, I think, over the next coming weeks. I mean, it's 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 quite good, isn't it, Ash, really? Because this is this sort of stuff is 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 why it's there and it keeps the league competitive and it keeps sort of not just one team winning it all the time. So so yep. event, eventually there's always going to be a turnover and other teams are going to come in and be more competitive. So, it, you know, it is a good thing for the... I know, looking from a personal point of view, I'm thinking, oh, you know, Steelers may not have a good season next next year. But actually, overall for the sport, you know, it keeps it all competitive. Well, I, I look at it from my perspective and, and, and the Jets have just been a yeah. fire dump for, for, for several years now. No playoffs for 10 years. But we've got loads of cap space. Second pick in the draft, 23rd, 24th pick in the draft as well. Yeah. New head coach. There is a reason for optimism. You're right. It's, yeah. it's, it's good. Kev, what do you think? Hand up. Uh, it, it shows why teams in the draft will gamble on quarterbacks, really, because if you get if you can get a franchise quarterback on a rookie contract, that yeah. you're, it's a lot less money than you chasing after, you know, a, an already established name quarterback, isn't it? And so that's why they do, you see a lot of quarterbacks will go in the first round, second round, and they might never actually come to anything, but it's, it, they just feel it's worth gambling on them because the, the difference in what you'll pay them is huge. 
Can I ask a question from a, 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 someone who's not as knowledgeable about NFL? You described this as, I understood the idea of trying to get a, an experienced quarterback who's proven quality as opposed to the, the cheaper version of um, someone that won out of college. But you described it as a franchise quarterback. Um, what do you mean by that? A franchise quarterback is 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 the aim for every team, really. Is is the quarterback is the most important position on the field, and if you get one that you can build a legacy around, or build build an entire team around, build a challenge for Super Bowls around, because they're that good and they're that reliable, then you, you're talking about Mahomes and Brady and and, and Breeze maybe, uh, and Rogers obviously. Then that that that's your franchise set up. The other yeah, ones, right. the other ones are jobbing quarterbacks, really. They're all they're all aiming to be one of those top five ones. I, and, I suppose I suppose the risk there is you get a golf and you end up with the Rams and they have to offload yeah, them after a few exactly. years. Yeah. Sorry, Lance. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> so def- definitely something to keep an eye on there. And just very very briefly, um, MLB are back, which is brilliant. That's that's my my big second love in, in American sports. So we'll, we'll fill in a bit more next week because um, players have reported this week for spring training. They're ready to go. The Grapefruit League um, starts this week in the Cactus League, which are the two preseason leagues. So they're going, which is brilliant. I'm really excited about that. Mrs. P is really excited because that means more late night watching sport um, on TV, which is brilliant. And then we are looking, I think, at April 1st for opening day. So exciting times over in MLB at the moment. Good stuff. Thanks, Ash. Ash, great opening batting there. A position that's vastly coveted. I was going to say, Ash, is your first time you've opened? No, I think I opened once last summer. So it's taken me six months to to work my way back up the order again. On this evidence, I'm sure it's not going to be another six months. Right, Lado? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm I'm taking notes now. I'll feedback later. Okay. Ash, with the food question, Dan's hit us with, where was the last place? that you had a meal in a restaurant, cafe environment. Where was it? We, 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 we used to eat out to help out, I'll be honest, quite a lot last year. Um, so we went out a lot in the summer. But the, I, if we, are we count in October before the, before the pub shut? Done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, basically, it, it's just the last time you went out for a meal, really. I, I went out to my local pub, literally 500 yards from the house with, with my two best mates. Um, Godfathers to the kids and went over the road and had a few beers and it was actually the night that the the lockdown was announced the last one so the pub was very flat um, but I had a lovely burger and about five or six pints of Estrella so it was lovely Brilliant and your tune we didn't play any Bruce Springsteen last week lads so I'm really really pleased Ash has chosen uh, something here you've gone with a, a collaboration that Bruce Springsteen appears on Yeah absolute corking track put me in a good mood this one so it's it's, uh, it's a great track isn't it for a Saturday morning I think it's brilliant stuff it's uh, Bleachers featuring the boss you are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet the season ticket on Dougie Stone Radio Bleachers featuring the boss Bruce Springsteen Chinatown here on the season ticket on Dougie Stone Radio that's a cracking choice Ash absolutely love that Rare to see Bruce Springsteen as the second name on a song, but what a job. What a job. How you doing, Morgs? You alright? LC, all the better for being with you, of course. Ah, you gentlemen. Your segment last week was fire. Like, yeah. absolute fire. I, I was watching you sort of spit those bars. It was like watching Eminem in his prime during 8 Mile. I hope That's you've a- got 
Some that's stuff a compliment, right? That's a compliment. That's a massive compliment, mate. I love Eminem. Like, we're Thank all Eminem you. fans here, right? You've got a whole host of stories in the world of footy to get stuck into and um, some that you saved from last week. So this is going to be a good one. Yes, I, it's almost sort of jumping onto the food question straight away because I've got a big main course, but I've got a lot of starters first. So um, in the spirit of local rivalry, as I touched on, I might have mentioned it a little bit last week. Um, in a week when both Bristol clubs appointed managers on the same day, there were amazingly more momentous things happening across the, uh, across the world of football. So uh, in the Champions League, a young man called Jamal Musiala, forgive pronunciation, he became the youngest English scorer in the Champions League as Bayern Munich beat Lazio 4-1 in the first leg of their last 16 tie in Rome. He's the grand old age, ready gentlemen, he's 17 years and 363 days. So doesn't that just make a lot of us feel even older than we actually are? Um, Very much so. It's an interesting one as well because uh, he's represented England at youth and under 21 level, but he's actually committed his future to Germany. He was born in Germany, spent time in England as a youngster, and he's committed his international future to Germany almost immediately after scoring for Bayern Munich, which tells its own story. But uh, yeah, interesting uh, stat to start. And uh, I want to update us as well, if I may. Um, I talked last week about Darren Drysdale and talked about the uh, the incident with Alan Judge of Ipswich and uh, said there'd be a bit of a follow-up because we weren't totally up to speed with what was happening around that. So at the time of, sort of speaking to you now, he's been stood down for two consecutive games, having received the FA charge. Um, what was really pleasing from my point of view was to see Alan Judge, the player involved, not only accept the apology that we talked in, about in last week's show, but he also stated there was no need for an apology from the ref. The, the flip side of that, and we talked about uh, managers and coaches and parents on the sidelines, etc. But um, the Ipswich Town manager, Paul Lambert, actually remained quite scathing about the ref. So he, he really went in, you know, full bore to, to Drysdale and continued to do that, which, uh, which I thought was a, an interesting angle, given the pressure that Lambert's clearly under Ipswich, but maybe explains that. But uh, it, it sort of it lines up with managers sort of condoning players' behaviour rather than so considering the culpability of uh, of players in in those situations with referees, so uh, just a, an interesting follow up from from last week's tale, I think. You've got an example there of a manager sort of trying to deflect from their own pressures, and it's great to have a, a player that actually sort of reacted the way he reacted. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree. And so it's you know good from the player, not so good from his manager, which is not necessarily the way you might expect it, but. Uh, um, and uh, in, moving into the Premier League, and, and Ash has mentioned in the tweet of the week, you know, we have to mention Everton's first win at Anfield since 1999. And uh, I also saw a tweet that said that uh, Everton have now scored as many goals at Anfield in 2021 as Liverpool have, which I thought was another nice angle on it. Um, sorry, Steve, I know you, you're Liverpool sliding down in your chair there. But uh, um, and, and interesting as well, Callum Hudson-Odoi of Chelsea, he suffered the uh, the indignity of being substituted after coming on as a half-time sub for Chelsea at St Mary's in their game against Southampton. Um, Thomas Tuchel showed his ruthless side. He basically chucked him under the bus in the uh, in the interview afterwards. He said, I didn't like his attitude, didn't like his effort, didn't like his work right off the ball, not good enough, but tomorrow it's forgotten. So, uh, you know, a rather large uh, boot up the backside of Hudson-Odoi there from his new manager. So, uh, sort of breaking one of the unwritten rules of football management there by subbing a sub, which is not something you see very often. So, and uh, I, I saw a really interesting tweet that during the week. It was a crazy weekend of results across Europe last year. And here's a, a quick fire classified football results from across Europe, right? 
Atletico Madrid 0, Levante 2, Frankfurt 2, Bayern Munich 1, Liverpool 0, Everton 2, Southampton 1, Chelsea 1, West Ham 2, Tottenham 1, Barcelona 1, Cadiz 1, Milan 0, Inter 3, which stretches Inter's lead at the top, uh, Ross County 1, Celtic 0, and I mentioned Neil Lennon earlier, it cost him his job, Benevento 0, Roma 0, and PSG 0, Monaco 2. So right across Europe, you know, a series of crazy results, underdogs winning left, right and centre, you know, bet slips destroyed all over the country and uh yeah just a crazy weekend of results which i thought it was interesting to reflect on Morgs, can i just yes. quickly can I just quickly ask a, ask a question there because funny enough when when i come onto my slot um when i cover a bit of snooker like yeah. it seems across the whole of the sport and i think we've touched on this before there's a lot of crazy results and you know it is that down to fans not being in stadiums so you know there's not pressure on smaller teams or smaller you know smaller people or there's less pressure on big teams i don't know is, is there something going on with covid world i, I think it's a fair leveler dan isn't it you know and I particularly sort of you know in team sports and big stadiums where home advances is such a major thing and and again you can imagine it ripples across a lot of sports and and maybe it is that great leveler that people just go for it and they i think it's showing tactics and... yeah i think it's really showing that sort of difference that that crowds can make i think mm. to sport really i mean you think some of those results have just rattled through the away teams getting results at big clubs they say well let, let's keep the crowd quiet for 20 minutes yeah well, they're, they're quiet in football for 90 minutes now aren't they so yeah you know it's uh yeah it's, a, it's an interesting uh season in many sports dan isn't it it's a really good point so um i always like to dip into the, the football league because i think it's such a such a strong competition across all three divisions and a couple of bits that caught my eye um Timo Pukki scored another two goals for Norwich in the week. Um, they won 3-1 at Birmingham uh, to extend their lead at the top of the championship. Um, and just some stats on Pukki. In his first season, he scored 29 goals as Norwich won the championship at a canter. He then reached double figures in the Premier League and scored five times against the big six. And this season, as, as we speak now, he's currently scored 17 league goals with, it, with his side top of the table. His transfer fee was zero pounds. So that's not a bad return for Norwich City there at all, is it? Um, and, and another lovely story from League One, and I'm sure this will uh, uh, bring some bells with a lot of us on the bench here. Uh, James Coppinger was honoured at Doncaster, Doncaster Rovers, to mark his 17th and final season with the club. He actually designed a special charity gold kit that's going to be auctioned off. Um, and he rounded off the game against Hull at the Keepmoat last weekend by coming off the bench for his 597th appearance for the club. And in true Roy the Rovers style, round off the story brilliantly, he called a brilliant free kick in stoppage time to equalise in a 3-3 draw. Uh, so James Coppinger, you know, one of football's loyal uh, servants, one of football's good guys, and uh, a lovely sort of angle on there for, for that special appearance for him. And obviously he's retiring at the end of the season, but what a servant he's been and very unusual in this modern day football and a, a lot of sports. Yeah, so. definitely, definitely. I, I, I remember seeing that uh, last weekend because uh, my mate, one of my good mates, Nick, he's a um, Hull City fan. He was fuming. Yeah. But like, you know, he's fuming from a Hull City perspective, but I just flipped it around to him and I said, mate, like, that's the stuff. Like, you can't write stuff like that from the design of the kit to coming on and scoring the free kick yeah just yeah. beautiful that's why like you know that's why it's the beautiful game stuff like that really pleased yeah. with james yeah it's unreal lance isn't it and i think to be fair probably only whole city fans would begrudge him that from last saturday wouldn't yeah, they for so, sure so and, and two slightly meatier courses for our football meal this uh this, this morning um 
in the National League, North and South. So just to explain for those that aren't quite okay with the, the non-league pyramid, the National League is the top division and the Rovers fans on the bench will remember it reasonably fondly, I think. Um, just below that, it's regionalised. So it's National League, North and South. So they're the feeder leagues into the main National League. So obviously, like a lot of uh, lower league and and further down the pyramid, there's COVID's had a massive effect. So the National League North and South clubs have recently voted to declare this season null and void and the main National League continues. So this means that in this country, step two of National League football has ceased with immediate effect. Now, a few interesting bits around this. The North and South clubs voted 24-19 in favour of ending the campaign um, as the COVID implications ripple through the pyramid but it was really tight in the south it was a nine to twelve split and in the north it was 15 to seven so there was much more favor in the north division which i think sort of shows the disparity across the regions um and in the national league itself they voted seven to thirteen against declaring the season null and void and they're going to continue um so sort of moving on from that, so the National League will continue, but it's in a mess organisationally, to be honest. Um, Dover Athletic, um, again, Rovers fans on the bench will remember our games against Dover when we were down there. They're currently not playing their fixtures. They're unable to, to fulfil their fixtures and they're not playing. Chesterfield, they've also started to furlough squad players. Um, there's confusion over the ongoing financial support because... The National League clubs across the three divisions got a pre, uh, £10 million um, pound grant from the National Lottery, but that was only designed to last till the turn of the calendar year. So any further funding for clubs at the National League level looks likely to be loan only. And even if, even if it's you know low interest loans, you know there's no doubt in the National League, which is traditionally one of the strongest or non-league elements of the pyramid, the, there's jobs, there's futures and, and potentially clubs in jeopardy there, which is, is really sad to see. So, Dan, you want to come in on that? Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, so, I mean, I'm actually surprised that how long COVID's gone on, that we haven't actually seen any sort of smallerish clubs go to the wall. I mean, you know, if if this roadmap to, to coming out of lockdown, you know, doesn't, doesn't come to fruition by mid-year, are there quite a few clubs, you know, really on that, that precipice? Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me if there were a long list of clubs in exactly that sort of position, Dan, to be honest. You know, it, the, the finances are, are sketchy at best and, and the, the numbers are, are just dwindling, aren't they, in terms of the, yeah. the money, money that's kind of into the club. And it's not just that. A lot of these clubs rely on sort of community use and community facilities and all those sort of things. And they've been wiped out. So so like all of us on the bench, I'm sure, I really hope that those things can pick up and the finance can get sorted. And also it comes back, and, and, and interestingly, the last one I'm going to come to is sort of the exact opposite, which is about the European Super League, which is solely about money. And I'll come to more detail about that. But even in, in England, you'd, you'd hope that, you know, these super rich Premier League clubs who keep getting these big payouts and so on, and even the EFL clubs, I think they could all be doing more to help further down the pyramid. Part of the strength for me of, of English football in particular we, we talk not just about the Premier League and the EFL but you know the five six seven really competitive divisions that feed below that in the pyramid so you know it would be a real shame but but I think the sad, you know, sad inevitability is that some of these clubs will go you know and and even in the football league as well there are clearly clubs at risk so let's hope it resolves itself you know as quickly as we all hope from here so yeah definitely and just coming on to, to my final story then, and this is one I've kind of sat on for a few weeks and and more and more has come out actually as the week's gone on. So it's become a bit of a meteor story, but I'll be as quick as I can. Basically, this is being led by Barcelona and Real Madrid in particular. 
So Real Madrid president Florentino Perez at Real Madrid's December AGM went back to the idea of a European Super League. So their interest goes all the way back to 1998. And even when they won their 10th European Cup or Champions League for the kids on the bench, um, when they won that in 2014 to begin a run of four Champions League trophies in five years, Perez was still banging on about how difficult it was for his member-owned club to keep up financially with super-rich owners at other European clubs. So this all seems to be driven by uh, Real Madrid in particular. In January, um, Perez visited Turin for a meeting with Andrea Agnelli, who's the Juventus president, but he's also chairman of the European Club Association. And then a report was published outlining a potential new closed competition that has 15 permanent members, including three Spanish teams. And unsurprisingly, Real Madrid and Barcelona would be two of those. But it also seems to include Atletico, Atletico Madrid and some English clubs like Manchester United. So what this seems to be is a, like a, a closed shop European competition. And interestingly, it always seems to happen when UEFA are talking about and FIFA are talking about sort of reorganising the top competitions, the Champions League, the Europa League and so on. And these big clubs just want a piece of the pie. So this proposal basically prompted a letter signed by FIFA, UEFA and all the world's other confederations, which emphatically rejected the proposal and also said that players who took part in this would be banned from representing their national teams at World Cups or European Championships. So clearly the governing bodies are rattled, um, but it also shows that you know, Perez and Real Madrid aren't going to get their way. So just to give in some numbers, and I can see some hands up for questions on this. Um, basically, Real Madrid have been particularly stuffed by the, um, the COVID pandemic because they were just undertaking a 600 million euro renovation of the Bernabeu Stadium and lost revenue has basically cost them 300 million euros. Barcelona's financial situation is potentially even worse. They still owe money for transfers, including 69 million euros from the deal with Liverpool for Coutinho a few years ago. And for Barcelona, total club debts are now reaching a reported 1.2 billion euros. So the numbers are incredibly ridiculous. You know, and Dan, we just talked about how poor the lower league clubs are. But in comparison, these super rich clubs aren't super rich at all. Yeah. So this is why they're protecting their own interests. That's crazy. That's, that's, that's just crazy numbers. I mean, just to look at the numbers that are being involved in this process. So of this these 15 permanent members, it's reported that six of the 15 would get um, upfront payments of 350 million euros. Um, but, but a fifth of the members would receive a lot less than that. This includes annual payments. And this bit, I cannot wrap my head around. Annual payments of 30 million euros to Barcelona and Real Madrid seemingly just for being Barcelona and Real Madrid. So that seems to be the, the sole sort of reason for that particular payment. But basically, the, the, these 15 founder members, if this plan goes through, and, and you know, this has gone around in circles for, for years and years and years, but these 15 members will be guaranteed uh, a, a, a continued financial pot of gold. So they'd earn 178 million euros just for competing in the group, which compares with approximately 40 million from the current Champions League group stages. Um, the rewards for winning it are relatively modest in comparison. So if you won that competition it goes ahead it's 30 million euros on top of the group stage but basically it's all about money guaranteed steady income year on year doesn't matter what you achieve it's keeping the rich clubs rich and the poor clubs in their place um so founder members would always be 100 million euros better off than any qualifiers 
to this project. So just to give you a final comparison, say, for example, one of the qualifiers went on and won the competition. So let's say Leicester City qualified through the Premier League. They went on and won this, this competition a few years down the line. Their revenue would still be less than half of Real Madrid's. Do you know what? That, that That's not that different from what happens in F1. You get teams like Ferrari get a payment just because they're Ferrari each yeah. year. It, it, it kind of baffles me. It, 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 it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And when we talk, you know, and, and actually a bit on American sports, and we do a lot of talk of NFL and, and the draft system designed to level the play of it, playing field. And it seems that certain aspects in certain sports are determined to do exactly yeah. the opposite. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And keep, keep the minnows where they are, you know, know your place minnows and, and that sort of approach. So, so uh, you know, I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk about this particular version of the European Super League. And, uh, you know, this will roll on for years beyond us, I'm sure. But uh, just uh, pleased to get that one in. But there's a, you know, as you can see that this isn't going away fast, is it? No, certainly not. And uh, a very awesome, comprehensive look at football over the last seven days, far and wide from the very top to the bottom end of the scale. Love that, Morgs. That was brilliant. Um, No problem. Um, So the food question, where was the last place that you went to for a meal before we all got locked down? See, see, I'm going I'm to sort of swerve the question a bit, as is my want. But uh, like Ash mentioned, we did a lot of eat out to help out in the summer. But probably the one that sticks in my mind, because it's quite ironic, was uh, I took the wife away for a short break in Cornwall for our wedding anniversary. And, and just as an aside, we worked out at the same time that we share a wedding anniversary with Mr. and Mrs. Lowe from the bench. And also Lowe, shares his birthday with my wife. So there's a strange symmetry going on here. But anyway, that's an aside. So I took the wife away with a little break without the kids for a wedding anniversary. We went to Cornwall, spent some time in Liscard and some other places. And on our wedding anniversary, of course, we weren't very organized. Hadn't booked anything, couldn't get in anywhere. So we ended up having a mixed grill in Weatherspoons in Liscard. Hey, the glamour, the Top glamour. Stuff. <laughs> Top stuff. That's a Nothing. series of cards you don't want to get mixed up, Morgs. <laughs> there is that. There is that. <laughs> Be careful what you write in them. <laughs> I can see Lowy chuckling away as he's probably listening to this now. Right? Get hot in Taunton. <laughs> Very hot in Taunton. <laughs> Great stuff. And uh, another amazing pick on the music from you, Morgs. Uh, you turn into one of your heroes, I believe. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, Lance. And, uh, you know, you boys rattle on about Springsteen, but my musical hero is getting an outing tonight. This And there's a symmetry here as well. This song was actually number one this week in 1982. The greatest band in the world from the greatest musician in the world. It's Town Called Malice by The Jam. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet. The Season Ticket on Dougie Stone Radio. An absolutely unbeatable song. I've been playing music at the Bristol Rovers for about nearly 20 years now. And that song is always, always, always a winner. That was The Jam with The Town Called Malice. And that was Morgs rounding off his football rundown. And from that, into my brother, Dan. Brother Dan, how are you doing, mate? You all good? I am doing extremely well. Yeah, I've had a cracking week. Ah, have you? Yeah. So uh, how's, how's the running going? I saw you were uh, taking on a, on a challenge. Yes, yeah, the run's going really well. So I've been running, uh, as I said, at least uh, 5K every day since uh, New Year's Eve, uh, sometimes 10K, 8K, 6K. Um, and I've started a challenge where I'm going to run virtually. So, you know, you're following it on a on a tracker um, and it's going fo- to follow it from Land's End to John O'Groats. So it's 1,743 kilometres. Wow. You'll be you'll be hearing lots about it as I as I go through. I look forward to seeing all about it, mate. I'm sure you're going to smash it. 
Yeah, like, that I'm absolutely going to smash it. Love that. I watched a bit of the Welsh Open as well. Saturday was a little bit. Yeah, of you a, did, didn't you? Yeah, it was a little bit of an excursion into different sports for me. I watched a bit of the uh, NHL outdoors over in Lake Tahoe, and then I went from there to Celtic Manor, and then Beautiful. I went back to Wembley Arena for the boxing. It was, uh, yeah, it was a nice little jaunt I had on Saturday evening. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the Welsh Open is going to factor into what you're going to talk about now. It definitely is. So yeah, so. All of last week, we had the Welsh Open. So, I mean, I just love a good snooker tournament because it lasts all week. Um, if, it's the, if it's the World Championships, it lasts two weeks. But you just got snooker on all day, every day. You know, you've got the morning sessions, you've got the evening sessions, you've got the afternoon sessions. Um, it's, just, it's just great to have on the background and, and, and whatever. Um, so, yeah, last week, as you said, from, from Celtic Manor, it, it, it was the Welsh, the Welsh Open. Uh, Judd Trump was favourite going into the tournament. Um, he actually got knocked out in the third round by the world number 34. Uh, and I think Brimo is going to be proud of this sort of uh, trying to say his name by Rafael Vafai. So, uh, yeah, as I say, world number number 34. So it was it was it was a bit of a shock result. Um, it was kind of going back to what I was saying when when Morgs was on was on about some of the crazy results is not having that crowd. Uh, in, in, in fact, that table, I think sometimes for those lower ranked people, it doesn't quite put as much pressure on them. There's, there, there has been some, 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 some quite shot results. I mean, Jan Bintal won the, won the Masters a couple of weeks ago. And then this year, you had someone called Jordan Brown, who was world number 81 going into the tournament. Uh, and he actually ended up beating Ronnie O'Sullivan in the final. Wow. Now, it's, it's quite an amazing story for, for, for Jordan Brown. I mean, you know, I don't want to take anything away from him. So I'm not saying that the, the crowd not being there really did help him because he had a fantastic tournament. Because on the way to the tournament, he ended up beating Mark Selby and Stephen Maguire, who are two, you know, extremely top uh, players. And then he beat Sullivan 9-8 in you know quite a thrilling final really what was great to see uh was that ronnie looked generally happy for him because he 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 knew what it meant and i'll come on to a bit of uh, jordan's story in, in a minute but ronnie sort of knows jordan brown quite well and it was nice to actually see ronnie genuinely pleased as jordan brown was, was cleaning up in that in that last frame you know sullivan knew he'd lost the, the, the tournament but he was actually properly grinning from ear to ear just just watching him clear up because he was generally pleased knowing that Jordan Brown was going to win that tournament you know it, it, it's great bit of sportsmanship I mean Ronnie you know he's won so much you know it, I suppose it's always a nightmare when you're going to lose a tournament but I that, I don't think there was anything there that didn't make him feel happy that Jordan Brown was was taking that that a title now Jordan Brown um, so three years ago, he was working nights in a petrol station and he was thinking of giving up snooker because it wasn't going his way. He wasn't getting the results. As I say, he was hanging around the sort of number hundreds, num number 18 in the world. And he was thinking of giving it up and he didn't and he persevered. And it just shows, you know, what, what can happen and, you know, sort of things dreams are made of really you know, he was so emotional winning it it's absolutely fantastic it's it's a great feat it's, it was 30 years since somebody ranked so low has won a ranking event 
in snooker as well. So, and as I said, you know, he went past Mike Selby, Steve Maguire, beat Sullivan in the final. Just, just fantastic to yeah. see. Yeah, wasn't he like something like seven hundred and fifty to one? Yes, seven hundred and fifty to one going into the tournament. That's unreal. Even like a quid on that, like you know, just happy days, brilliant, just incredible. But what it also shows, I think, is is I go on quite a lot about momentum. Um, so, you know, when we were talking about NFL weeks and weeks ago, going into the off season and, you know, the, the, the students had lost a few um, of their games. And I said, look, you need momentum when you're going into something. And I, I'm a real believer in this. And it just shows what Jordan Brown did in that tournament because he really had that momentum. And of course, the very next, uh, so two days later, um, he's in the World Players Championship and he plays John Higgins, and he was wiped out 6-0. So, you know, he, he he had that momentum in the Welsh Open tournament, and then the pressure comes off, he's won that tournament, goes in, goes into something two days later, and just gets gets, gets absolutely wiped out 6-0. Too, too busy amazing, enjoying really. his uh, victory in Newport, he was. I mean, we've, we've all had a great time in Celtic Manor, haven't we? We have all had a fantastic time in Celtic Manor. We certainly have. Yeah, we have. Okay, so enough of the high octane world of uh, of a snooker. So let's let's move on to F one. So last week I was speaking about Billy Munger, the uh, young lad who uh, lost both his uh, limbs in an accident, and he was doing the 140 mile triathlon uh, for uh, comment relief. So on the first day he walked 18 miles, which was incredible. Obviously he'd. Like, like I said, he hadn't walked over three miles before that, so that was a hell of an achievement on the on the on on the first day. The second day, he was due to kayak uh, fifty miles across a lake, uh, but there was um, there was about fifty five or sixty mile per hour winds, so they, they've actually had to put a halt to his to his attempts at the moment, and hopefully he he's going to pick it up at a later date and then do the kayaking. And then do the cycling. So I'll, I'll I'll bring an update to that. But just just him walking the eighty miles is one hell of a feat and just absolutely fantastic, really, which is great. And apparently in March, um, obviously because it's for Comet Relief, they're going to do an hour long special uh, about his attempt and what he does. So I, I reckon that'd be well worth a watch, which would be excellent. And now, so we come into the proper geek world of f1 this time of year is when the proper geeks like me get incredibly excited about somebody pulling a bit of silk off of a car just to reveal it so it's the week it's it's a couple of weeks of the car reveals and this is basically when you're waiting in the morning on the internet ready to just see a picture of this season's car it's a bit like the kit reveal, it, it, but it's a really exciting bit. Dad, so, Dad, I got vivid memories of my granddad, who was a rare person that he put his car in a garage. Yeah. And um, which nobody does anymore, do they? Because they just garages are for other things. Yeah, and he also he used to have one of those covers to go over the car because he was quite fussy about how he looked after his stuff. So I, I vividly remember watching him taking the cover, you know, fascinated as a little sort of five year old taking this cover. Off of, off of his Datsun. Um, it goes back to that. I'm just wondering, is this is this? Are we talking about the same sort of excitement there? We like, are talking the same. Uh, it, it, it is that five year old excitement, and you know who who doesn't want to see what's underneath a bit of silk being pulled off? Eh? You know, it it it, it can't be bad. It can't be bad. So, so so far, um, McLaren, uh, Alpha Tauri, Red Bull, 
and Alfa Romeo have revealed their cars. What I, what I like about this is back in the 90s, the early 2000s, it was a real glitzy affair and there were, you know, big money spent on these car reveals. Nowadays, it's more just a couple of photographs that are revealed uh, on, on, on the internet. But Alfa Romeo actually brought it back, brought a bit of glamour back, and they did. They went quite big with their car reveal. And I will tweet it. I've, I've got a tweet um, that, that that I'll send out after the show that shows the car reveal. Now, the ones that the most excitement this year that haven't been revealed yet, they're going to be review, revealed beginning of March. Is the Aston Martin because everyone's thinking, okay, you know, what colour is it going to be? Is it going to be British Racing Green, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So they're really excited about that. And Alpine, which was Renault, but they're going to have a new paint job and everything. So that, that, that's going to be fantastic. So we're really looking forward to, to that as well. And then the last thing I've got, um, which kind of came in late, actually, only uh, I only heard about it just before the show. And that was the Lewis Hamilton, uh, my favourite, and I know all your favourites on the bench. I, I know you all love Lewis Hamilton. He's been nominated alongside uh, people like LeBron James, Rafael Nadal, and Bayern star Robert uh, Lewandowski uh, for the Laureus, which is the World Sportsman of the Year award. Um, I think he won it last year alongside Lionel Messi, I believe, Hamilton, and he's been nominated again this year. So uh, I've certainly got my fingers crossed anyway. I don't think you can dispute him as a superb sportsman, can you? Yeah, I think you're right. Seven world titles kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? But um, It does. Look forward to look. I'm looking forward to seeing your tweet, Dan, for this um, revealing situation. It's exciting. It's really exciting. Kev, have you got something to say on it? I know you've been chomping at the bit to get stuck into this like car I was, reveal. I was struggling to sort of see what Dan sees in it, but then when he was talking about just the the excitement of looking at pictures on the internet, I, somehow I can see him doing that. <laughs> Thanks, Kev. <laughs> it's true. It's all true. <laughs> it's true what they say. <clears throat> Let's move on. Let's move on into your food question. You provided the question to us. I've got a question for you. Have you done much eating out to help out um, when it was uh, when it was happening? I didn't do much of the uh, eat out to help out. No, um, but um, the, the the last time uh, that I went out was just before we went into lockdown. Uh, I went to Clifton. Uh, those who are from Bristol know, know Clifton. I went to a Thai restaurant called the Giggling Squid, and it was absolutely lovely. It was top class meal. Oh, um, I won't tell you who I went with, but it, yeah, it was a good meal. Oh, that's okay. You could you could tell us in the green room after the show. I look forward to all of that. You can't but, remember. Wow, there is that. We all we all have we all have unwanted memories from our past. There is sure. that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we're going to move into your tune in. Uh, time for a bit of uh, well, last week what was it? It was it was Dan Knight's Saturday Love Songs, and uh, it's, thanks- the, it, it's the lunchtime love songs. Ah, lunchtime love songs. So uh, what, yeah. what are you choosing this week? I mean, like, how the hell are you going to follow Purple Rain? Well, I'm going to follow Purple Rain with Marvin Gaye, Sexual Healing. And does this provide happy time too? <laughs> always, yeah, always. Let's get into it. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet, The Season Ticket on Dougie Stone Radio. It's Dougie Stone Radio. It's Dan's lunchtime loving, sexual healing, Marvin Gaye. I cannot wait for next week when we'll have Dan's happy time hour with a song <laughs> of his choosing. Brilliant stuff, Dan. We all enjoyed that, to be fair. That was an absolute banger. Yeah, I think, I think Dan's advertising for his own show, Lance. Yeah. 
I think it would work. I think he needs yeah, to talk to the bosses. Yeah, it'd be like uh, Graham Torrington back in the day. Yeah, Graham Torrington. Oh, yeah. Late Night Love. Late yeah. Night Love, remember that? Yeah, I could see you doing that, Dan. I might have to join you. <laughs> I reckon we could smash that one. It'd be great. I reckon we could. Uh, Shep, how are you doing, mate? You right? I'm very well. Good. Very well, thank you. Yes, good. I put some product in tonight because I was a bit, I was a bit abused last week. Ah, oh, well, it's good to see. Good to see. He's like my, my, my boy dapper, though, isn't he? Look at him. Yeah. My fluffy uh, sideboards here. Yeah. <laughs> Lance, for the truth of it is, a picture went out on Twitter. I think it was yesterday with Shep in his younger days when he was a, <laughs> a pro rugby player. All and, right. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think what, what it's reminded him is that he is, um, you know, in, in a very glamorous way, aged. But uh, tonight he's looking the full part. Yeah, looking great, mate. How's the running going? We've heard from Dan earlier in the sort of exploits he's been getting on in the running. I know you've been doing a bit this year. Yeah, I've got 20 days to go as of Monday, and then I've done a full year. Um, I think I'm somewhere around £500 on the uh, um, Just Giving page. So, yeah, so it's all going to, to Love Musgrove, my, the hospital my wife works at, and, uh, and Lado's wife is uh, or was a worker there. I don't know if she still, she still does. I know she's uh, been promoted. Um, couple of times so uh so yes yeah, so it's local to us oh, down this end or down this end of the woods <laughs> excellent very important. very important super superb place that is superb place i need to get my uh need to get my contribution in chef and i will do that mate thank you very much chef um rugby nothing much happened over the weekend in the games did it quiet weekend nothing quiet, week, quite, quiet weekend yeah <laughs> no, no nothing nothing to write home about really um few red cards <laughs> We'll start, we'll start. We'll work through the weekend if you want. You know the the, uh, the West Country, or the start of the West Country derby. So um, we have Bath beating Gloucester sixteen fourteen, but there's a lot more to the story than that, isn't there? Yeah, a couple of uh, yeah, some interesting. Well, not interesting. Again, from from what I said last week, some foul play <laughs> that resulted yep. in in red cards. It was you know it was it was a, a game that was as close as the score suggests, and I think perhaps you know. Lots of guys with one eye on, on next weekend were quite happy that um, players like Falatal and, and uh, Reese Lewis Amit uh, got through it with unscathed. Um, but yeah, a couple of red cards to uh, um, individuals, um, Ruskin and Williams at different times in the game that perhaps, uh, sp- I suppose not spoilt it, but certainly uh, made the, uh, the game less of a spectacle. But absolutely the right decision. Yeah, oh, completely the right decision. And, and as we sort of press on through the weekend um you know we'll, we'll we'll discuss it a little bit more but Quinns versus Sale on the the, the first game at the, on the Saturday Quinns are an interesting side aren't they because they they were, they were doing poorly <laughs> they got rid of their DOR and then um well they didn't get rid you know they he left and, and so on and they seem to have had an upturn in fortunes um Sale on the you know on the on the opposite seem to have named the, the DOR that uh, normally has a sort of a, a, a good um Good impact on a club, and they and they uh, they're struggling. But uh... well, Quinns just seem to be playing like the shackles are off, but they're just enjoying themselves. Um, and I mean, I've always I've always as a I quite like I quite like watching Quinns. I quite like watching the way they've played over the last number of years. Um, but they've always been inconsistent. But like you say, they've um, they changed team and Sale, who were I would argue they're one of the bully boys of the Premiership. Um, they they play that type of you no know, abrasive game and. Uh, with a new DRR, who I think will be very good, to be honest, uh, uh, Sanderson. Um, yeah, it's surprising that they, they've gone down there. But Yeah, I mean, Don Brandt put his hand up again for, for Harlequins and you know he must have some pictures of Eddie's wife or something because he's certainly not getting a look in, a bit like your boys down in, uh, down in down at Sandy Park. 
again, he's only a couple of seasons from being a university student, and you know he's he's tearing up the what well, he has been, and and it still is tearing up the Premiership with uh, with his performances. I, I'd um, say there's, there's some number eights not getting a look in, and Don Brown's definitely one of them. I agree with you there. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Seamlessly then sliding into uh, into Sandy Park, you know, where the where the Simmons boys remain in uh, in limbo. <laughs> Yeah, so they uh, they went down by a point in the end, didn't they, to uh, to Saints? I wonder, um, hindsight being a fantastic thing, I wonder if perhaps Baxter felt we had you had a little bit more depth than you you have in certain positions, and maybe rude chances. I know that there was a there was a controversial, well, not controversial ending. The ending was the ending, but uh, and and um, uh, Baxter was was as magnanimous as as you would expect him to be with the with the charge down kick. Um, that could have won, uh, that would have won. Sorry, um, Quint, uh, Chiefs the game. So, you know, to be I, honest, Northampton they they deserve their win. Um, they they their defence was immense, absolutely immense. Extra, a few things didn't quite come off. Yeah, they've got what Extra have done over the last month or so. They had a real opportunity to blow a few youngsters, um, but it obviously comes out with experience, comes with size and, and a number of different things. Obviously, they've got some internationals away. The Simmons boys are there, but um. Yeah, no, Northampton won it. And fair at the time, I must admit, I looked at that and I saw Simmons kick and I thought, well, he hasn't physically moved because you saw the shoulder. But when you look at it again, he had taken a step back. Now, um, when I used to, I used to love to charge down, you know, if they scored a little charge them down, and I used to wait for the kicker to take any type of foot movement at all. So actually, maybe it was the right call. But what was the credit? And going back to the football thing that Morgs talked about with the um, Lambert coming out and still slamming the ref. Baxter was as usual. I, I don't think there's anybody better in sport with just accepting it and being, you know, really gracious in the way he accepted it and didn't look to blame anybody. Yeah, we probably should have won it in a different way. Um, not going to blame the officials and nothing to blame. I think it was, I think they made the right call. Um, so yeah. credit to him. But yeah, fair play to Northampton. Thoroughly deserved their win. And then the, the, perhaps the, the, the biggest game of the weekend, um, which is now a derby, obviously, with, with Wasps uh, moving to Coventry. Um, Leicester, Leicester versus Wasps, three red cards in this game because players aren't just aren't learning, are they? It, you know, it shouldn't come as a surprise following you know the Six Nations weekend or the two sendings off in the Six Nations that we've seen. We talked about um, on last week's show that referees are, are being hot on this. You know, collisions with the head, um, and, and you know perhaps um, Kieran Brooks has some mitigation, but equally he's. He's still not used his arm in a tackle and has ended up making contact, albeit in a ricochet, um, with somebody else. And, and therefore, perhaps he's probably the only one at the weekend that can feel hard done by. Although Leicester 8, I think his name is, is Wies, Wies, um, which, yeah, it was just dull. It was just dull, you know, running into contact and 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 just, yeah, just trying to maim people, I think. And, um, you know, Lindenberg... He got sent off right at the very end. So, but it was it was definitely again another another warranted red. So it was, um, but Tigers were well, you know, even even down to twelve men, so sorry to thirteen men were um, were well worth their uh, their victory. You know, the tw- nineteen points in front of Wasps, who perhaps uh, you know again another team that um, normally do pretty well in the uh, um, in the sort of Six Nations period, but. Uh, Seem to uh, seem to have their wheels fall off a little bit at the weekend. Maybe reeling from the fact Absolutely. that Willis is is uh, taking his, you know, taking his injury. 
Yeah, it's a huge loss for this. I know he's obviously on international duty. To quickly round out the red card thing, players just need to learn, don't they? And, and they need to, they need to change the way. It's the way the game's going. It's absolutely right. They just need to learn. I think I think the red card, I'm, I'm really pleased that the referees are are taking the, these decisions and they're being backed and it's 100% the right thing. So, I'm, I'm, without, without wishing to name drop, I was, I was I had an audience at one stage with Richie McCaw and, and one of the questions was asked about his his understanding, you know, why he got away with so much at the breakdown and so on. He said, I don't get away with it. He said, I, I, un, I try and work out within the first three minutes of the game what the referee's expectations are and I play to those expectations. Now, yeah. it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to work out that if you are not wrapping your arms or if you are making contact with someone's head, it's likely that you're going to get sent off. In fact, it's more than likely now. It's, it's going to happen. So it's, it's, yeah. it's one of those, isn't it? And then, um, again, my Twitter was alive on, on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> it was an interesting game. It was, it was a very interesting game. Bristol, <laughs> Bristol raced into a lead against, uh, against um, the run of play. And again, hindsight being a wonderful thing. You know, we were very lucky that... Um, Bedloe stayed on because ultimately his his tip tackle was only not a tip tackle because the London Irish centre put his arm down and therefore um, was it, <laughs> meant that the, the 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 upper back touched the ground before his head did otherwise he would have he perhaps should have seen red um, but yeah down to, down to fourteen men Bears set the world on fire and scored fourteen points and then were well you know were well clear at half time and then uh, yeah then London Irish brought on uh, Nick Phipps and. Yeah, he, changed, he, wrote, he flipped the script, so to speak. Um, and it was a fantastic game for the neutral. And I think actually, you know, it, for, as a Bears fan, it, it probably was a fantastic game as well for me. I would be, you know, I've been moaning for weeks that, that England have got no attacking intent. So to bemoan the fact that it was a 68-point a, a game is a little bit churlish on my behalf. So uh, I will wear that one and just say, well done, London Irish. Uh, but it, it was a great game to watch. It was a it was a cracker there, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was. But not but not not if you're not, if you're if you if, if you if you're near London Irish and getting into rugby, you've got a new state team that uh, seem to be on the up. You'd, you'd look to get a season together, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um. Next this weekend. Now we've got today. What we've got? Italy, Ireland. I guess that's a, a formality, really. Are you going to say Italy? No. I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say Italy. Yeah. Not- no. I'm going to say Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wales, England, in Wales, no crime. Uh, I made a fairly big statement last week. Um, I'm going to go back on that, and I'm going to suggest that England will will do enough um, to to uh, to overcome um, the Irish that can't that can't swim. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll, I think we'll do enough. I think it will be a scrap. I think it'll be horrible. I think we'll beat them up up front, um, but I think that their back three scare me. Um, and uh, I think if we if we aimlessly kick, um, which perhaps we did a little bit against Scotland, um, we could come unstuck a couple of times. But uh, I, I'm going to back England, unsurprisingly, but perhaps more surprisingly, just despite the fact that I rubbished them last week. And we need to keep 15 players on the pitch. And we, well, absolutely, that's, well. that's imperative. That's imperative. Absolutely. France, Scotland. I think Scotland. France is sending over there. Eight of their um, D team again, aren't they? Ten COVID cases. Yeah, they, yes. they, they, they seem when they get it wrong in that camp, they get it wrong, don't they? They got it. It didn't happen, you know, in that autumn internationals. Um, that you know, there was a, a outbreak in camp, and it meant that they sent a, a, a weakened side that England struggled to beat. 
over. Um, and again, they've you know they've lost Dupont, they've lost some fantastic talent. Um, and I've yeah, just got it, it baffles me a little bit, you know, because they're not. You know, it's not like the Barbars guys that are they're actively breaking curfew. Just something is amiss in their setup, and I think in what and then you know from listening to different bits, once it's in, it's ridiculously hard to get rid of them. You know, having yeah. to miss I think feel, and stuff and all sorts. They're going to feel they miss a trick if, if they do go down to Scotland because they've been playing yeah. so well. They've been mm. they've been the team to beat, haven't they? And yeah. and you can see you can see things being very good for France, especially with a, a World Cup in France. You know, in, yeah. in a couple of years' time. Okay, um, thank you, Shep. That's brilliant. No problem. Um, Pleasure. Lance, you're asking about his food? Let's do it. Yeah, so um, I, you caught the food question. Where was the last uh, place? Uh, that... The last place that I went out to eat um, was the Joshari, which is an Indian in Claygate, Isha. Um, was was after my last um, visit to uh, an, uh, a live sporting fixture when I saw England um, play last, last March, uh, last February, I think so. Uh, Yes, that was when I, that was when it was. Wow, L- a long time ago. Oh, about a year yeah. now, a year. A year over, yeah, just over a year ago. Incredible. And um, your tune, uh, we got an Oasis tune. Uh, what's the reason uh, behind this one? Um, just fancied it this afternoon when I was asked for my pick. Can't say anything more than that. This is round our way. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet, the season ticket on Dougie Stone Radio. It's the season ticket. Dougie Stone Radio, that was Oasis. Shep's pick with Round Our Way. Absolute banging tune. We're going to do our usual scattering. Well, I'm, I'm just going to pick boxing and you can take care of um, all the rest of the bits we might have missed um, over the course of the show so far. So once again, I'm going to chuck you the ball, mate. Okay, so I'm missing my my annual fix of snowboarding. I'm going to go straight to snowboarding because it's two years on the trot I've missed out. Um, so the GB snowboarder, uh, Cody Bramwell has won the first win at the Free Ride World Tour in Andorra. Now, um, you're going to have to watch this. This is an event where skiers and snowboarders can take their own route off, off piece down a mountain. What they get up to is absolutely crazy. And he took this route and you just listen to the commentators talk about the say how difficult that route was. Um, it's brilliant to watch. Um, obviously, when I watch that, I, that's what I believe I'm doing when I'm going down on the snowboard. Um, only I think that's probably not entirely true, but brilliant to watch. So well done to Coney Bremer. Okay, moving on. Now I tried to, I was in contract talks with Bernie to come on and do the, the tennis, but unfortunately Bernie has been very busy, tied up. Um, he's been spending all his, all his time in school and um, when you've got four kids, he keeps you kind of busy. So I'm going to have to cover a little bit of the tennis. Aussie Open, Australian Open, um, and Novak Djokovic. Uh, he's won his ninth Australian Open by beating Daniel Medvedev um, in a cracking final. Um, it was a classic example of the, the young up, upcomer um, getting to the final, uh, suggesting that Djokovic was under pressure because he's looking to try to close down Federer and Nadal as to who's won the most um, t- titles. Um, yet Djokovic showed his cool and his calm to really control the game. Some, some cracking cracking rallies. 7 5, 6 2, 6 2. Djokovic really broke away. And to a certain extent, um, no, Djokovic, he showed his control and Medvedev lost a little control um, and probably he got a bit angry, broke a few rackets and uh, it, it kind of it went wrong for him at the end. I'm sure um, he will be he will come great and he will be winning some um, some, some some great titles. But um, Djokovic showing his class and actually when you look at you look at um, that's that's his ninth. If you look at the 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 goat race for tennis, which is kind of a pointless race, Federer's on twenty. Um, 
titles, open titles, Nadal on 20, Djokovic now on 18. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, Nadal's 34, Djokovic's 33, and Federer 39. So how much longer Federer can keep going? Um, but interesting to see. Just a great period to be watching um, tennis. In the, in the women's event, Naomi Osaka, she beat Jennifer Brady in the women's final. Um, this is her fourth major in a row. Um, she's the first um, player to win four majors in a row since Monica Sellers in 1991. A dominant display, a real sort of superstar, a new superstar of the game. As again, some fantastic rallies. And um, yeah, very impressive. She's also somebody speaking out about, about rights across the world. So she's a real example for, for young people to follow. So congratulations to her. Um, in the doubles, Joe Salisbury, Britain's Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram were beaten in the men's doubles final. Um, they lost to uh, Ivan Dodik and Philip Polaska in the in the final. Um, but um, yeah, so a fant- fantastic achievement to get to the final, but they were unable to retain their title from last year. Moving on to um, you know, one of my favourite sports in athletics and a big news really, where in the in the world indoor tours, I talked about it before, there's indoor competitions come, um, going on at the moment. And American Grant Holloway has broken Colin Jackson's 60 metre hurdles record. Um, and this record has stood for a, some time. OK, um, Holloway ran 7.29 seconds, 60 metres over, over, over sort of hurdles. Try running 60 metres in 7.29 seconds. Um, that is a remarkable feat in itself. Um, but to run over hurdles, he beat Colin Jackson's time, which was 7.3 seconds. Um, and he set that in March 1994. So that record has stood for a very long time. And uh, yeah, fantastic achievement by him. Britain's Andrew Posey, who's actually the reigning world indoor champion. Um, he was second in that race. So it'd be interesting to see when we get to the, the world indoors. Um, Elise McColgan, uh, she's getting closer to her mother's record, Liz McColgan. So I don't know how many you remember Liz McColgan, uh, world champion. I think it was 1990, 1991. He ran one of probably one of my most memorable races to watch. Uh, she just went out at the front and dominated the pack. Well, her daughter, Lisa McColgan, is running fantastically well. And she's come within a second of her, her mother's um, 10,000 metre uh, Scottish record. Uh, and she's getting closer and closer to it. So, um, yeah, a bit of family rivalry, but you don't you know, don't get that. But, um, yeah, interesting to see. So, Great Britain's going to be sending a team of 41 athletes to the European Indoor Championships in Poland. Um, we talked about some of the athletes before, but one of the ones I talked about, one of the big Olympic hopes for the summer, Dina Asher-Smith. Unfortunately, she's had to pull out through injury. She's got a quadricep injury, which she's not going to take any risks for the European indoors. Her focus is the Olympics, so she's pulled out of that, along with Katarina Johnson-Thompson. Um, and Laura Muir, another big hope for us. She's chosen not to compete in that. So we're sending a 41-strong squad. It's great there is some athletics going on for those that want to compete in the, in, in the indoors in the European Championships. And we look forward to when that comes on. And yes, that's me done. How about you? That's what you got. Bit of boxing. Yes, it was another entertaining night of boxing at the SSE Arena in Wembley, uh, which saw a bloodstained Josh Kelly suffer defeat for the first time in his career. Uh, he was stopped by a relentless Russian in David Avinissian in the sixth round. As a result, Avinissian retains his European welterweight title. Uh, that bill also featured the Albanian king, Florian Marku, who overcame a knockdown to stop Ryland Charlton in the sixth round. Really entertaining fight that, and it was interesting to note in both of those fights, it was the respective corners of the losers who threw the towel in after the controversy that we mentioned in last week's show regarding the Josh Warrington fight a fortnight ago. Um, rounding off the boxing news, um, the rematch between Dillian White and Alexander Bovetkin will now take place three weeks later 
then scheduled on March the 27th. It's going to take place in Gibraltar in a bill that's being called Rumble on the Rock. Looking forward to seeing that and hopefully uh, White can avenge the defeat that took place last summer. Now, first of all, will they run out of titles to boxing matches? The Rumble of the Rock? Yeah. I mean, you know, sort of like slap of the, slap of the stone? Like, what's the... <laughs> Yeah, what, what, what's going to be next? It's surely going to, there's a point where you have to run out of things to say. The slaughter in Gibraltar. Oh, I'm liking that one. Liking that I'm one. available if you need me. I like it. <laughs> I like it. We'll, we'll call you. <laughs> so, yeah, Lado, the food question. Where was the last place you ate? Okay, so I'm going to go back to the original lockdown. I remember it vividly because we went in a place called the White Hart Hotel. It's in Modbury in Devon. We were staying at our in-laws and um, they, they, had, they had the kids and Liz and I went out for my birthday. Um, we had a lovely night. And then a week later, everything just shut down. That was it. And then interesting, I remember having a lovely night and waking up the next morning and sort of just checking Twitter. And there was a real sense of something was so I mean, we knew about we knew about coronavirus, but there's a real sense of fear on on Twitter. And obviously, you know, a few days later we we go into we, we announced the whole lockdown. So uh, Brilliant. And your tune. Absolutely loved it when uh, when you text me over this. Is your uh, choice for this week? What are we going with? I, I love this song. It's uh, Breathless by The Calls. Love The Calls. And uh, I just felt um, I needed to sort of bond with my, my bench colleagues. So I felt firstly that um, it really in honour of Dan and his activities, I felt it was it was an appropriate song. Um, and uh, I was thinking of Kev as he slipped over on, on his big muddy puddle, whether he puddle, whether he was feeling breathless earlier in the week. So, um, yeah, just, just for you two fellas, really, that's it. And it's a great song. Brilliant. I was just feeling a bit of solidarity with you, Ladder, actually. I've woken up after a few meals with a sense of fear as well. <laughs> <laughs> we know about that from you, yeah. <laughs> right then, let's get stuck in. This is The Cause with Breathless. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet, The Season Ticket on Dougie Stone Radio. <laughs> Core, it's the course. We're breathless. See what I did there, lads. That's class. That was class. You can't coach that. Brilliant, isn't it? Brilliant. Oh, um, you're born. You're born to be here, Lance. You're born to be here. Yeah, this is my true calling. It seems. Um, <laughs> Morgs, um, we had some big sporting news in the week, which you just wanted to briefly touch upon before we get stuck into the quiz. Yeah, just want to mention. Obviously, uh, sporting legend is a term that's banded about a lot, but. Sad to see Tiger Woods, uh, horrific injuries and accident this week. So uh, obviously on behalf of the bench, we all wish him a very speedy recovery and hope he gets back on his feet soon. We certainly do. Well said. Kev's been waiting patiently as normal. He's going to be giving us a quiz very, very shortly. How are you doing, Kev? You all right? I'm all right. I've been watching the last sort of few minutes. You can see people getting a bit tense. Yeah, you can, can't you? There's a certain atmosphere in the air over the various Zoom screens that we're all looking at at the moment. There's some stretching going on. I think I've seen a couple of notepads as well. Oh, yeah. Look forward to seeing all of that unfold. Um, Kev, before we get stuck into that, we'll go through the usual bits in Bob's. Where was the last place that you ate before we went into lockdown? Uh, My daughter absolutely loves uh, anything to do with Japan or or Korea or Asia. So the last place that we ate anywhere was uh, Yosushi in Cardiff. And I would have had the Tokoyaki octopus balls, I love them. Oh. And uh, she would, she would have, she has the same thing every time. Cucumber mackey and duck gyoza. And your tune, brilliant band. Yeah, I love this song. It's a proper, proper bit of driving rock. Um, uh, Shine down with sound of madness. Here it is. You are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet. The season ticket on Dougie Stone Radio. 
That was Shine Down with the Sound of Madness. It's going to be like the moment where the sheet of silk unveils the car underneath. Our fearless leader is back, lads. Bremo's here. How are we doing? How are we doing? <laughs> I thought I'd drop in and see my mates, and it's turned into a red fest. Lance, what have you done to the show? Hey, this isn't me. This is uh, Morgs and uh, Ash collaborating on a Denmark fest. I've got to say, though, they're amazing shirts, aren't they? They are amazing. They're they're absolutely. Cracking, aren't they? Just look at it now. They're just... I didn't appreciate it at the time, I don't reckon, but they're absolute things of beauty. This is great radio, fellas. For the listeners out there, uh, <laughs> two people on the on the bench are wearing red and white Denmark shirts. They're wearing Denmark 1986 World Cup shirts, and they um, were fantastic. You tell me a time that this show has been anything but good radio. <laughs> exactly. You know, last few last few weeks, Brent. <laughs> In fairness, it's been. I've listened intently. You, You've got Lance and Lado have done an amazing job, and uh, it's like seeing your ex misses out with a better looking bloke. Obviously, that never happens to me, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> nah, honestly, yeah. I'm so sh- it's good to see you all. Anyway, I said to Lance earlier on, I'll jump on a bit later on. So, uh, I'm sure I uh, can speak on behalf of the rest of the lads, and uh, you know, it's great to see you. You're looking well, you're sounding well, and uh, we're looking forward to getting uh, stuck into the quiz. So, Kev, over to you, mate. Right now, I'm in charge. Here we go. Here we go. Question, go. Question, question one. Everyone lean forward. Look at them. Look at them, Brim. They all, they all lean forward. All you can see is foreheads. Damn it. When on, did the Premier League... get Google out a minute. Hang on a sec. When did the Premier League... That's what we're calling it now, is it? When did the Premier League reduce from 22 teams to 20? Ash. Dan. Ash. 1990. 495 season. Cor- correct. Oh, okay. Well then, more Ash. <laughs> Question two. Who won the 2005 World Snooker Championships at the age of 22 and as a... Yeah, Porter's head. Porter's head I got then. Oh, I was Sullivan. Incorrect. Oh, as 150 to one qualifier. Burn on C. Jet. Judd Trump. Incorrect. No, not back then. Remain. Primo, what year was it again? <laughs> 2005. Kick him out. Um, uh, Stephen Hendry. No, you're not. Dan Potter's Dan Potter's Dan Potter's head. John Higgins. Incorrect. We'll move on. I love the intent look on Dan's face when he gets his own sports. In 2002, which F1 team was rebranded and named after its owner's I got Pompey then, I think. Benetton. Benetton oh, is correct. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no! It was obvious it was going to be. <laughs> Shocking. And never more. Cricket, criminal. in which country would you play at Queen's Park Oval? Dan Porter's head. Dan Porter's head. Uh, uh, New Zealand. Incorrect. Lado Taunton. Lado Taunton. South Africa. Incorrect. Shep Burnham-on-C. Shep Burnham-on-C. Australia. Incorrect. Lado Pompey. Lano Taunton. No. <laughs> yeah, Morgs no Pompey, though. It was Morgs no, Pompey. No arguing. Ba- Barbados. Incorrect. Lano Taunton. Ash Walton. Ash Walton. Ash Walton. <laughs> Scotland. Incorrect. Lano Taunton. Lano Taunton. 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 Uh, West Indies. That's not a country. We'll move it's, on. It's, Next it's, question. It's, it's, ne- Next question. <laughs> Which sport features a piece of vulcanised rubber, one inch thick, three inches in diameter, between five Lano and Lano Taunton. Morgs Pompey. Lano Taunton. Ice hockey. It's correct. Next question. Dan Porshead. 
Benetton. <laughs> Benetton, just in case. <laughs> Which player has won the most games at the Men's Rugby Union World Cup? That's the tangle. Come on, boys. Mom, the one more. Shep, Burnham on C. Shep. Tanu Marga. Incorrect. Is this, this going to be the third question I, I can't actually answer? I'm going to win at this rate. What was the question again? We're doing Which player has won the most games at the Men's Rugby World Cup? Morgs Pompey. Morgs Pompey. Richie McCall. Correct. Mentioned earlier. Well, Morgs. Morgs takes the lead. Danish Morgs. Who won gold in the women's 480 metres freestyle swimming at the 2008 Olympic Games? got in there. Adlington. Rebecca Adlington. So num- question number eight, and Morgs is in the lead. Music. Which 1998 single is the UK chart number one with the longest title not containing any brackets? That rules out meatloaf. As a clue, it was by the Manic Street Preachers. Chet Burnham on C. Chet Burnham on C. If you tolerate this, then your children will be next. Is correct, which puts you into a tie with Morgs. And the tie-break question is, how many points across four World Cups did Johnny Wilkinson score? Oof. After you, Shep. No, After I took you. two of our rugby union men on the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, you say four World Cups, Kev? Four World Cups. Between 1999 and 2011, eh? I'm going to go 127. We're we saying higher or lower, Morgs? Higher or lower? I'm going to go higher, Kev. Morgs wins 277. <laughs> That's what I said. Ash Perry, have that. I was your quiz this week, Ash Perry. Come on. Morgs has turned up this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only because he guesses Benenson every week. Oh, the, ones, the ones who didn't answer. 2005 World Snooker Champion was Sean Murphy. Uh, Queen's Park Oval is in Trinidad. Oh, that's close. The West Indies Indies is not a country. Right. (laughs) Great stuff, Kev. Great stuff. Amazing quiz as always, mate. And congratulations (laughs) to Morgs for winning this week's quiz. Uh, That wraps it things up very, very nicely. So this has been the season ticket. You have been on Dougie Stone Radio. Thanks for joining us. Thank you ever so much. They have been the bench. You know what to do. Say bye, bench. I've been LC and me and Dan are going to talk about this love song show until next time stay safe and see you next week here's Brimo's pick it's Ash with Burn Baby Burn you are listening to the greatest sports show on the planet the season ticket on Dougie Stone Radio (laughs) 